Alright, welcome to Peep's Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. Alright people, welcome to Peep's Creek, the cafe. You know here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around the drink. If you don't know by now, I am your host, Sean. I realize I've never really said that on any of them, but I'm your host, Sean. And in my cup today, I am drinking on some H2O. And of course, I have my little hookah right here next to me. And today I am joined in the cafe by once again, Denise. Say hello, Denise. Your only friend, Denise. Hello. And Denise, what are you drinking on? Water. Actually, I got my new cup. Look at that. You were complaining for so long. Now you got a cup. Uh, How do you... I mean, I was expecting a new cup, but you know. (laughs) I'll take whatever at this point. (laughs) Uh, All right. So today's episode is just going to be something slight. It is episode 69. Episode 69 is going to be entitled True Crime Happy Hour. That is right, people. But guess what? It is a dry happy hour. That's because both of us are drinking (laughs) water. But it's okay. You don't necessarily have to drink to have fun and have a conversation. All right. So before we begin on that particular topic, I have some good news. I think it's some good news. I don't know if you remember, but remember, uh, previously I had tried to get the podcast trademarked mm-hmm. and someone scammed the the old individual who used to be on the show a lot. Yeah. Uh, they scammed it and blah, blah, blah. So ultimately I went and I did it myself. And so I finally heard back. It's been almost the, the process of getting it has been pretty long. It's been almost a year since mm-hmm. I filed the second application, but I finally heard back from Everything looks good. I have to send two responses back to them. So hopefully in the next couple of months or weeks, we'll be able to say that we are officially trademarked here nice. at Peeps Creek. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, here you uh, go. T- I got you. Don't you worry. Hold on. What you got? Wait, is that my bell? No, this is my bell from training. What is wrong with you? Why everything uh, got to be yours? I, I, I'm pretty sure the last time you were here, you probably stole that from oh my inside gosh. this house somewhere. I All have right. more than one. Thank you. Okay. So, Denise is, well, technically not her. My son is watching my dog. How <laughs> is Pinter? Pinter is actually sleeping right now. Very comfortable. Thank you very much. Is he sleeping on his bed? He actually is. It needs to be clean, though. But yeah, I washed it right before I brought it. I mean, I know, but it. he's been in it. He's oh. doesn't even move from there unless it's to drink water, follow us around, or go outside. What about eat? The hell? They're not want feeding to eat. Him? He doesn't want to eat. So I we bought him. Well, Davian, I told Davian to get him snacks because you didn't bring him snacks. So he went and got him the little bones. That's a lie. I did bring him. I brought him those steak sticks. Those sticks. But I mean, okay. Yeah. But can you bring more? I mean, so he likes those bones that they got him. So since he's not eating, I'll give him one and he will take it literally from where I put it and bring it to his bed. No, God. All right. Okay. So we have officially completed a review of season two of Accused guilty or innocent or innocent right all right and i thought it was going to be i thought that was more episodes in season two and i was preparing to have another episode and then you texted me it was like what well, we done with season mm-hmm. two and i felt like one thing that we didn't do before was kind of a wrap-up of the season that we talked about right season one we didn't do one for when we transitioned from season mm-hmm. one to season two. So I felt like this could be like a little quick episode to try to kind of recap the season two, particularly, because I, I, I don't know if I can go all the way back to season one, because I don't remember that stuff. Not all of them. Only one I remember. Angel's Bumpus. That's it. Yeah, that's all I remember, too. 
Um, did anything else happen with that one? Do Actually, you know? I haven't really, I haven't really checked. I need to really follow up. You have not checked on that. I mean, that was the the case that really mattered. I know, and and I told you there's an update, but I haven't really like followed. I have been so I've been so busy. I haven't been able to follow up. But there is an update. Well, let's follow up on that one now. So what I'm going to do is pull something up. I'm gonna do like the Korean shows do. What? When they wear the variety shows, when they wear like brand name stuff that they're not getting sponsored for. And they put the they cover it. <laughs> well, every almost every show does that. It's so, not just Korean. I know you think that that's all you watch. <laughs> and you this is especially learned, not my even my team, so you learn two words and now all of a sudden you think you understand the Korean culture. Listen. But, I My niece you. sent me this video of a, mm -hmm. you know, Korean person. She's, her son is teaching you how to say anyanseo, which is uh -huh. hello. Hello. And he mm -hmm. says, oh my gosh, I got to find it because it's so funny. Listen. Oh my God. Say onion on sale. Say it fast. Onion on sale. <laughs> what? That's anyanseo in Korean. What does it mean? Hello. Hello. <laughs> but say wow. it say it fast. Onion on sale. Onion on sale. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying onion. It is. Onion on sale. Onion. Onion on, on sale. sale. Okay, great. Moving back on. Yeah, so one of the, the largest cases or the most popular cases that we talked about, which well, actually, there was two, but this one we get a lot of feedback on in regards to the Angel Bumpus case. And most people who saw this particular episode, not just from us, but even watching it, there was a lot of outrage and a lot of commentary in regards to this particular individual. But this was from season one. Angel Bumpus, a, a individual whom I think it was almost nine or 10 years later after she had become an adult and, and had kids, she was convicted of, I think, almost first-degree murder, if I'm not mistaken, based upon a crime that occurred when she was 13. And the most damning evidence in that particular time was that she there was some duct tape mm -hmm. and her fingerprints were on the sticky side of the duct tape. And she was the only one who was held responsible for this particular crime, even though at 13, she would have to have overpowered the and quite older individual. There was no indication at the time, at least from the story at that point, whether or not that individual had any kind of ailments that would prevent him from being able to, I guess, protect himself against a 13-year-old. But here, that's neither here nor there. She was convicted of that, but she is now going to have a new trial. Mm -hmm. And the individual who she was accused of killing was 68-year-old Franklin Bonner or Boner, Bonner, and he was tied to a table. And I, I'm stand corrected. It was 14 years later because she was 27 oh, wow. um, the time that she was convicted. And she was not charged. Typically, when a child, you know, there is some discretion for prosecutors whether or not to to try a child as an adult or as a, an, a child. Has she been tried as a, a child, the maximum amount that she would have been able to spend is five years because... If she, if she would have been convicted at 13, then she would have been of age at 18. And so she would have been committed to a juvenile institution, which typically goes up to 18. But the prosecution in that particular case decided to try her as an adult. So that's why she was convicted. I think it was she was basically serving like, what, 30 years? A lot. Convicted of like 30 years. I was trying to go back in my notes to see if I found it because I'm using the same note. But it, I have so much info in here. But... Yeah. So for those of you who actually are looking, I'm scrolling down on a a a website that talks about this. But some of the things that they talked about in regards to the deficiency and the, the high court that overturned or at least gave her. They, I don't think they overturned the verdict. They just allow her to have a new trial. So I think she still is incarcerated while she awaits her new trial. But anyhow, it says that the state was not able to establish any direct connection between the defendant and Mallory Vaughn 
or for that matter, with any other person who may have been involved in the robbery. Rather, the principal, if not only linked between these two individuals, consisted of a Facebook connection between Mr. Bond and a mutual mutual third party acquaintance, Porterell Bumpus, mm-hmm. that existed some 10 years later. Thus, while this third party connection existed, in fact, this weak connection to the defendant herself diminishes the weight of the evidence supporting the defendant's convictions. In a similar manner, the state also was unable to establish any direct link between the defendant and the victim, Mr. Bond. And we talked about this. We were like, there was nothing that mm-hmm. nothing that connected the two at all. The victim's wife denied knowing or seeing the defendant previously. And although the state linked the defendant's aunt to the victim, Ms. Bonner denied ever seeing the defendant when the aunt came to the Bonner house. The link through Shirley Bumpus, which is her grandma or her aunt or whoever, was certainly not grandma. substantial. And it may have been excluded altogether had other objections been made and advanced by defense counsel. Thus, to the proof, the proof showed that others had a direct connection to Mr. Bonner. It did not show that the defendant did. Again, this weak connection to the defendant herself diminished the weight of evidence supporting the defendant's conviction. So that is the thing that that when we when we talked about this case, we kind of talked about acknowledging how it seemed to be a purely very weak mm-hmm. c- circumstantial case and that she should not have been convicted. And so that, that blurred from that particular, that blurred from the, the opinion that overturned or at least gave her a new trial also highlighted and, and pinpoint that. So I'll be happy to see this go Me to too. trial. And we also kind of talked about some of the things that we did not like with the defense. I don't know is is whether or not this was the new trial was based upon a motion by the defendant of ineffective assistance of counsel, which is some reason for saying that you need a new trial, which basically mean your lawyer sucked at the time. Mm. It is kind of a high burden to, to prove, but it's not one that's insurmountable. So as long as you could that there were things that your lawyer should have done that any reasonable lawyer would have done in those particular circumstances. And the reason that the lawyer didn't do it was not attributed to strategy, right? Because there are some times where a lawyer as a strategy decides to not push a certain element or push certain evidence or put forth certain witnesses in a particular trial. And so we don't know if that's the case or if there was some kind of new evidence that came in that was not discoverable at the time or just was not available at the time that she had her initial trial. So anyway, it would be good to see whatever happens with that particular trial. Anything you want to say about that? Yes, yeah, she did. And remember and when the grandmother was on the stand, how we kept saying that the lawyer didn't object to to what the grandmother... There was something that the grandmother was saying and the lawyer, her angel's lawyer didn't even... Like, object to it. Yes. Yeah. It shouldn't have came it worse in. for her. Right, which is some of the things, at least from that blurb, which, in, which indicates to me that the court who looked at the, the trial yeah. evidence showed that that information, particularly in regards to the the grandmother should not have been available at the particular trial. So yeah, I'm happy to see that that occurred and that she is going to get a new trial in sometime, maybe 2023. Doesn't erase the years that she spent in there, right? Because it's been at least two or three now, right? Yeah, it's been a while, right? She's been there at least like, yeah, it's been, been yeah, there we, a we did this prior to COVID. So 19, if not 20. Oh, that was prior to COVID? I think so, wasn't it? I don't know, but maybe. Yeah, I think it was. You might be right. It's crazy. You just just might be right. All right. So now let's talk about season two. Let's do kind of a recap very quickly of season two. And so what I am going to bring up for you all, mm-hmm. I'm doing it on my website of course there we go all right so season two for us started with episode 64 which was best friend killing or self-defense recall that this is the case that dealt with woody uh, woody right this is what was his name rodney cockeye steep and elwood woody six and this is where we had our girl our bfs brandis Brandis Mm -hmm. bradley I was watching her today because I was trying to recap on the show. <laughs> and I'm like, she literally, she's just the sweetest. <laughs> I know. But, she kept you saying, know. he's going to die. That man is going <laughs> to die in there. He's, he's going <laughs> to die in prison. We can't have him dying in prison. All right. So 
let me ask this question. What was it about this episode that intrigued you the most for purposes of your true crime junkie perspective? Mm, intrigued me? Brandis. Brandis, I mean... What, what was it? Just like her, just her, her presentation? No, her passion to wanting to defend him, you know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. We, we see, we see these episodes and we see lawyers doing their job, you know, they've been hired to do a job and so they do it. But with her, I don't know. It was like, I don't know if it was because of the age of the person that she was so sad and not wanting to allow this man to be convicted because of her fear mm-hmm. that he was going to actually die in jail. But it's even, even after the sentencing, I was watching her, she had to stand up and still, you know, talk about the verdict and stuff and, and how the years that she, what is it? She was trying to plead for them to give him less years. Uh-huh. Even then when she stood up, it was almost like she choked. And then she like brought herself back that together. And she was emotional, so therefore you felt like it was something that, what, that just... You would wish that, you know, lawyers would... I've experienced one in a case, um, Mm -hmm. not saying that I have, you know, been bad or anything, but I've experienced one, and it's more of a... Well, you know, you've hired me, I'm going to do my job, but not that passion and wanting to believe the person that is being accused. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, regardless if you did it or not, you have to defend him or defend her. Yeah. But when you see a lawyer putting in true work because they really want to defend that person, to me personally, you know, it just, I like that, you know? Yeah. And keep in mind, she was a public defender, so she wasn't getting paid per, per hour for this. I she keep forgetting that. Yeah, she was passionate about what happened. So let's just take a quick look at what we were talking about in regards to Brandis. Yes, I thought I it was the lady. beautiful. Her eyes Yes, I'm about to show you so you all can see her. That is Brandis. Oh, I was okay. going to say, oh my gosh, she looks just like her. That is Brandis, okay? That is beautiful. the public defender. Very pretty eyes. I mean, her yes. makeup was on point. Lifetime It's called Kim McQueen's. And what she does, she's a coach for people who want to get in pageants. And this is Kim McQueen's. And I think they look like they could be family. <laughs> look. Don't they look alike? I think it's the eyes and the color <laughs> of the hair. But... No, they look just alike. And they talk alike. You've never seen the show? Mm-mm. All right. So that was the portion where we were talking about Brandis, who Denise was super emphatic about talking uh, to discuss. Yeah. So the, she she definitely had passion. She mm-hmm. definitely showed that individuals work hard and mm-hmm. oftentimes are not paid a lot of money for doing their job. So kudos to Brandis. And the, the one thing that I took away from that particular episode is the fact of how friends close friends can quickly Mm. become enemies yeah and how the turn of a dime there could be a turn of a dime where things can be happy-go-lucky to someone's hurt or dead in the process right yeah Uh, and and it shows how quickly that can occur and how quickly issues can escalate to the point where you can be in trouble from a legal perspective Mm -hmm. and then someone is either harmed right maimed or what have you or is dead as a result of that so yeah that that I want to touch on that because, you know, that makes now that you say that it makes me think and I I just put myself in the situation. Right. I'm the type of person where compared to you, you are very straightforward. You know, if you have to say something about a person and you don't like something about a person, you immediately say it. "Hmm, I don't agree with that. I don't like that or whatnot. You know, I'm more of the type of person that I'll be like, "Uh," you know, even with my friends, I'll be like, uh. You know, uh, I'll stay I'll stay quiet and not say anything. And I now I think of Woody, right? Woody has been friends with this man for many, many years. You know, they've been probably in a lot of get togethers and whatnot. And this man is drunk. You know, I, I don't know if he was always drunk, but I know one of the situations that happened in the case is that he brought up how he's, you know, drinking and whatnot. I'd sit and wonder. Woody probably had that inside of him for many, many years boiling 
up, didn't say anything until that day where he probably, who knows what he went through before even he, you know, before he even met Kakai. Right. And it just came out. Yeah. So it just makes so, you, you know. is, is that a, is that a symbol to your friends that you might try to kill them? No, 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 no. Just the, the statement that you made, you know what I mean? Even friendships can end up this way. Not saying that all of them do, but looking back at it, it makes me as the type of person I am wonder, why don't I speak up more often? You know what I mean? If yeah. I don't like something, let me tell you, listen, you know, I don't agree with how you're acting or I don't agree with this instead of just being quiet and letting it boil and boil. And you know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't, you don't, you don't hesitate to say something to me. The hell? Yeah, because you know I really don't like you. <laughs> Rather, my friends, I do. <laughs> All right. Um, if I don't like you, I'm gonna be straight up, and everybody can tell you that. If I don't like you, I will straight up tell you exactly how it is that I feel. But when I do have, you know, when I do like you, it's more of a, uh, you know, Denise. Maybe you're just you know, overthinking it, or maybe you took it the wrong way. So I, I tend to give you the benefit of the doubt. You've already exhausted all of my patience. Oh my God, moving on. The, so. next, the next one, that case that we <laughs> dealt with was episode 65. Ep episode 65 was killer wife for self-defense. I did not like this particular episode at all, but Denise spent some time on this particular episode. And this one dealt with Rachel Bellison, mm -hmm. who was accused of killing her ex-husband, Jacob Glace. But I, the, the, yeah. So what, what was it about this case that you, that you liked, if anything? A lot, a lot of things, even today, rewatching it, you know, it made me feel like her emotions. It was like, I was feeling her emotions. I mean, it deals a lot with domestic violence and, not that I've ever experienced per se the violence, but I have, you know, close people that have experienced it. So I know sometimes people tend to, let me not say people tend, let me just say, I know how sometimes those that are victim of domestic violence, I know how they may feel and how they may not be, they may not want to be as vocal with how they're feeling. So they tend to put like a wall and mm -hmm. that wall can sometimes seem as if they don't care, they have no emotions, but it's because they suffered for so long that after they've left that situation, they tell themselves, I'm never gonna go through that again. You know, right. I went through too much to go through that. Even today watching it, that's what I felt. I felt like it was for her, she had no emotion. She was straight up tell you, I don't care this man is dead because right. she said it, you know, I only care about the fact that my kids won't have a father. And right. it was more of a, you could tell that she had built that wall towards this person, not wanting to have any more, not wanting to give him the pleasure of having any emotions yeah. from so her. So, so to your point, when you were talking about that, I think we kind of talked about um, the fact that for me, one of the, issues with the case was the fact that as the victim right excuse me as the domestic violence victim from the past but now in this particular case as the accused that she was not very emotional about what happened mm -hmm. right and so let's talk a little bit let's show a little bit about that i know but i mean but also part of my struggle with it is that she as a witness she was not very emotional when she was yeah. telling the story yeah, she had no emotions whatsoever. right and part of that that Stuart aspect mm -hmm. could have been because of the the, the torture history that they had, yeah. right? Yeah, she the was, trauma. The trauma. She was fed up with being abused and sexually mm -hmm. assaulted when they were together. So the the mm -hmm. concept of being emotional about the situation seems to be non-existent because of yeah. that. Right? So for me, that particular clip kind of was the most important part for me is that I think on that particular episode, I even had a moment where I had to realize mm -hmm. that my own biases were in the in play, right? Even as a lawyer, right? It's always difficult to to make a determination of the separation between emotion and truth, right? Simply because someone 
doesn't cry about a situation that most people will find to mm-hmm. be problematic or emotional doesn't necessarily mean that they what they're saying isn't true right and the inverse is the same just because someone is emotional doesn't mean that they mm-hmm. are true and it's always a fine line and you know with juries particularly that is always something that as a lawyer you're always thinking about you know well are you going to come off as a sympathetic witness? Are you going to come off as likable? And it's unfortunate, but as lawyers, when particularly when you're going to trial, you have to think about those things. It's not just the fact that you believe that your client is truthful. It's not just the fact that you believe that the facts support what happened. It's also the other things in the courtroom that you can't articulate unless you are there, right? Because mm-hmm. the jury is looking at everything. That means even as a lawyer, they're looking at me, right? When I'm in the courtroom, they're looking at my facial expressions. They may not like the way my facial expressions are. And as a result, they can hold that against my particular client. So you always are thinking about all those think- those particular things. And I felt like for me, that was one of the biggest pieces um, that I took from that particular episode. I will say today, watching it again, when, when they were doing the reenactment with all those paid actors that they paid, mm-hmm. um, she did show some emotion at one point when she was trying to explain how, how he grabbed her and stuff, she had to stop. And it, it was like, she was crying. So her now husband came and consoled her. And then she went back and finished, you know, trying to p- place everybody in the positions that they were, et cetera. But the other thing I wanted to say that I went back to my notes to see, because, you know, there's always things that you miss the, the second time around when you watch it again, you're like, how did I miss that? You know, the first time I watched it and when they were, you know, how the 911 call, you know, how she hung up on the 911 person right immediately after they show that the one, the 911 person says, what the hell? They show, you know, the 911 person saying that you find that you find a body and they were like, yeah, we found him. And then they show a picture of the area where he was found and mm-hmm. you could see him. And I don't know why I didn't realize this, but I saw him without a shirt. Mm-hmm. Dead oh, without yeah. a shirt. That is true. So that brought up the fact that you, that substantiate what was going on with her. No, that in no None of the times where she's talking about what happened or even in the reenactment, do they have him without a shirt? They have him reaching out to her, trying to take her shirt off and opening her zipper. But it was never mentioned that he had taken off his shirt. Or well, but also we don't know if he had a shirt on in the beginning, period. That's true. But was it was it? cold that day or not i don't remember she didn't have a jacket I don't, on it's I montana <laughs> i mean i think about <laughs> montana but i mean i would think it's cold yeah i don't know but yeah so that was episode two episode two which is on ours episode 65 all right she ended up they didn't end up you know what's the word Pro- prosecuting her yeah prosecuting her so <clears throat> yeah all right. The next case is episode. It was our episode 66. It was entitled Careless Shooter or Child Protector. And this involved Brian Lapsus, um, an individual who claimed that he was protecting a 12 year old. And he was accused of, I think it was just assault, right? Because he didn't, mm-hmm. the father wasn't armed. So he was accused of aggravated aggravated assault when he pointed an AK-47 at the father and let out two rounds from the gun. And so the question was, were these warning shots or was this reckless behavior on the part of Brian? What was it about this particular case that kind of gravitated you or what was the most important thing about the case for you? I think the end result for me is mind your business. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because, you know, I get in a way, I understand his mother, right? Because this all started because his mother called him to explain the situation. So I get it. You know, the mother was probably thinking there's a child in danger. So I need to step up and protect this child. But I think they both, the mother and Brian, Brian's mother and him, went at it the wrong way. You know, there's ways to approaching a situation. Uh Listen, if you didn't want to speak to the parents of the child that's being abused, 
call the police and then have the police actually do it? Or why didn't you just call the pastor from the church and have the pastor himself come and speak to them? I don't know. Yes. No. So I, I felt like in this particular case, the thing that, that captured me the most is how the stories were so different. And I think I talked about this mm -hmm. on the episode, particularly in the sense of what Brian indicated his perspective of why he went out there and, and started um, staking out like he was in Iraq mm -hmm. versus when the mom was interviewed. And I'm just going to play that portion where for me, it was the piece that kind of bothered me the most on this particular case. And it is he was interviewed, right, about what happened that day. Now, remember, Brian said he got a phone call because there was a, a girl. Huh? It he got a text. text. Yeah. He got a text because there was a girl essentially seeking shelter in his home because she was under duress. Right. <laughs> now, the story mom gave, right, was that the mom received a phone call from her pastor mm -hmm. that said that her one of the youth that the mother engaged with in her ministerial duties at church, right, communicated to the pastor that her dad her dad had put his hands his on hands. her. Mm -hmm. Right. He didn't say what happened. Right. So the mother hears this from the pastor and basically was like, oh, no. And so the mother hangs up the phone, walks across the street, goes to the people's house and went and got the girl <laughs> from the father from the house. And when when she got to the house, she said that the little 12 year old girl told her that her father and her got into a fight and he put her hands around her neck. Now, right. And she had and marks so, on her neck. Marks on her neck. So the mother then brings the child home. Now, the mother doesn't indicate, for me, here's some things that were missing. I don't know if the father was there or not, right? Or right. the parents were there or not. But here's some things that's missing for me. The mom didn't indicate when she went in there that she saw the house a, a disarray. She didn't indicate that she saw any kind of weapons or gun or anything that would make it seem like this child was really in danger, Right. Right. She didn't say that she had to take the child to the hospital to get examined or try to figure out what's going on. So she went across the street to rescue a child out of someone else's home based upon the fact that the girl said to her or to a pastor that my dad put my, his hands on me. Right? right. So she brought him back to the house. And then what she said is when Brian came in, Brian went and got his gun. So. For me, that was kind of the I don't, I, that that this particular case irritated me because I really don't think Brian should have got off. I mean, personally speaking, or because I don't think I do not think the child was in harm's way as he claimed. claimed. And I also, yeah, and I also didn't like the fact that he lied. I mean, it was almost like a cover up. Remember when the police first arrived? And he accused or said that it was the mm -hmm. father who actually shot the gun instead of him. So it was th those little things that just that just yeah. consistently told me that there was a cover up. Right. And that the intentions were not the same. I honestly think and I have nothing to support this at all. But just based upon the evidence that was presented, I think that Brian had a issue with this father from whatever reason from, from before. Maybe the father, because I think there was some discussion about the father. He knew that the father had a gun and a things gun. of that nature, right? Yeah. I think maybe there was some kind of early issues before and Brian probably used that information to heighten um, mm -hmm. his sense of urgency in that particular situation. And I'm not casting any aspersion on that, but it doesn't align with the facts as presented in the particular case. And it certainly doesn't align, in my opinion, that he was acting reasonably in that particular st stance. Yeah. So whether he should have been convicted or not, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, but I don't think the result was the best result in that particular st situation because I do not think he acted appropriately. So yeah, I didn't. That Agree. was my take on that case. But yeah, so that's that. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last one. Mm -mm, two more. Oh, two more. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The next one was, which one was this? Abusive Ooh. father. Oh, birth trauma. That's, come on, you, you can't forget oh, about yeah. this one. This is the one where they would try to pretend like they were in Detroit, but they were not. So this, and this one is the involved, one you and I didn't see eye, eye to eye. Oh, we were arguing up a storm on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this ready. This is the Colin Quint case. 
um, where the father was a- accused of abusing his child, the shaken baby syndrome. And you did not listen to the 911 call <laughs> when we did this particular episode, but you did listen afterwards. And so mm-hmm. that's what I want to go with. Let's start there. After you went back and listened to the 911 call, what was your impression from there? It does sound like he's he's drunk in a way. Like his his speech was like, you know, I've experienced drunk people my entire life, right? And it sounded just like the people I've experienced, you know, like like he's drunk, like there's no emotion. But it's almost as if there's no emotion because I can't comprehend what's going on because I'm so out of it that this is like, I I know this is happening, but I can't comprehend that this is happening. Uh Uh-huh. And I want to just play this little piece here where where we were talking about the (laughs) 911 call, which you you did not listen to. But I did say I didn't listen to it. Uh, Yeah, you did, but still. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so here we go. Back to what you said. For medical conditions, everybody is different. You you know, I'm going to react to perfect example with, with the COVID-19. My symptoms are different from maybe what you experienced because everybody reacts differently. The same with emergencies, the same when you are put in different situations or when you are put in situations that are extreme, not everybody reacts the same. So you Mm -hmm. can't expect every single person to react the way you want them to react because there's Mm -hmm. an emergency with their baby. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. What else (laughs) you want to talk about? So let's go back what though, because what wait, was wait, I? Wait, got it. I mean, you're not convinced me on here. Uh, that that nine one one. We can agree to disagree. Call, we you're will. Have but your if, if if I was the prosecutor, that's the first thing I'm going to put on. Let me tell you. Let me give but you my opening problem. When hey. we do these episodes, you have to act as the jury. All right, go ahead. What do you want to say? I was I referring those statements that I made. Was I referring to the nine one one call? Or am I referring to you wanting him throughout the entire thing? And even when they went to the hospital, how the doctors were saying the way they were acting. No, that was in reference to my statement to you. You didn't Mm -hmm. listen to the 911 call. And then what you tried to do is try to use the fact that what I said earlier about not everyone reacts the same way. So what you were saying was, well, he he might not have been like frantic on the 911 call because everyone everyone reacts. I still stand by that. I still stand by my statements. Not every person (laughs) reacts the same way. I I may react to an emergency a different way than you will. I stand I stand my ground on that. Stay your ground on that. The bottom line is now that you've listened to that 911 call, you specifically said he sounded drunk. He did. He okay. he did. He said, you know, I can't even say drunk because I, I don't know. But because later on, they do tell us, you know, that his accident that caused, you know, was because he was drunk. That's why I'm assuming that he was drunk at the time of the 911 call. It could have been anything else. Right? It could have been that he had taken some medicine and was drowsy from the medicine. It could have been anything, but it does sound like he's drowsy or drunk. Speech is almost like, well, you know, I, I don't know, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah, I could, I can see your point now, but I still stand my ground on what I said. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with what you said as a general pr- principle, but for this particular case, okay, I felt like that principle didn't matter because at the end of the day, you didn't, as a juror, you didn't hear or you didn't pay attention to all the evidence right. that you should have paid attention to. And at the end of that particular episode, we kind of talked about all the evidence that after the fact that we we uncovered mm-hmm. based upon our independent research about people who were upset about that verdict. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that, that I... I still take from this particular case, and I think I said in that episode, is the importance of knowing who you are voting into these particular offices to serve as prosecutors because they have so much discretion, so much power. They get to determine a lot of things, not just what cases to bring, not just what charges to bring, but how to to end them and deal with them, mm-hmm. right? And 
I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like children and elderly are the most some of the most vulnerable um, individuals in the communities and the communities that we we live in and that we serve. And it is important that we vindicate their rights. The I think stronger than some other folks. And I'm not saying that other other individuals' rights are less than to these individuals, but they're more vulnerable, right? Children oftentimes can't speak for themselves, particularly this particular child when it happened. Elderly sometimes cannot speak for themselves because they suffer from dementia or they have these other issues or they are so concerned that this is a family member who is doing X, Y, and Z to them. So for me, I just think from a, from a perspective of protecting these individuals, I think you have to do your job above and beyond what you would normally do in a situation dealing with someone like you or not, right? Who have our, our faculties, who's able to articulate what happened in some form, shape, or fashion. And in this particular instance, I felt like the system failed this child, point blank, period, the end. That's my opinion. And I just don't think, I don't think that this was an innocent situation where uh, I know you were talking about the birth trauma and all that. I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think the evidence support that personally but yeah yeah i still i still although i listened to the 911 call afterwards as a juror <laughs> i would probably hung the case probably i would <laughs> i would because i i got to you know, and maybe this is why I've never been called to jury. Every time I get called, I always get denied. <laughs> well, first of all, they don't know that yet. So that's not why you didn't get called to jury. You just didn't oh, no, I know. select I'm just it randomly. Say, you know, I thank them for not selecting me because I honestly, whew, I don't know if I could do it. But so listening to the 911 call, I still feel that had we gone to trial, based on the information that his lawyers were presenting me, I would be in doubt. I would be in doubt that, you know, did he intentionally do this or was it caused by birth? I would probably have to listen to what the other side, which is what the plan, the, the other side, the prosecution would, you know, would present because we really didn't kind of hear everything, but based on the fence, oh, I would still be like, oh, man, I would feel guilty if I convict this man and and I still have a, a doubt that he did it, you know? Nah, not me. Bye. I, I guess in, he should thank me that this in jail. <laughs> guilty. And that goes back to what I said earlier. You don't have emotions, whereas I have a lot. I just deciphered through the evidence and man guilty. Yeah, he was guilty as soon as still... I he was guilty as soon as I heard a nine one one call. See, so that's I would have been you, biased. That's you, exactly. And then I would have heard the other stuff coming in. Oh yeah, done out of there. But they wouldn't have told us about the other stuff. We did that research ourselves. Oh, I was convinced by the evidence that was presented without doing that <laughs> additional by research. By whom? Because the prosecution didn't really get to say anything. Well, listen. Okay. You convicted this man based on the 911 call. <laughs> no, actually, you convicted them when they said Detroit, Michigan. Oh, that already God. was right. 90%. And then that uh, 911 call was the remaining 10. Yeah, okay. All right. The last one for these are two was episode 68, which was road rage shooting or stand your ground. And that involved... Um, Oh, I didn't write. I didn't do a description on this one, but this one involved Mr. Tripp. Mm -hmm. May he rest in peace. Um, yes, this this is the latest episode that came out on Thursday. But involved Mr. Tripp, which was in Florida, mm -hmm. and it was a situation dealing with a motor with a group of motorcyclists and an individual in a truck. And mm -hmm. so the question was: Did Mr. Tripp act out of road rage, or was ground. this standing his ground? Okay, what was what did you take from this particular case? Huh. So this particular case, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you start and then I'll go based on what you say. No, go ahead. You start because I got to find, I got to cue up the piece. <laughs> so, you know, I felt like 
to to start with, and I feel bad saying this because he's passed on, right? But I feel like he just wanted to be a victim so bad. Like mm -hmm. he literally wanted to say they were after me, they were chasing me, and I was just trying to defend myself. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. To me, he just acted as a victim the the entire time. Okay, so perhaps maybe we can just cue that up and go from there. Lost them plenty of jobs, and eventually he had like a team of 12 under him, but because he can't get jobs, he had to let them go. So now he basically has no job going into his savings. His savings is going down, and so he's waiting for this case to be done and his yeah. name to be cleared so when he said that no offense but i'm like bro why can't you just have someone else like your foreman or like an executive go out there be the one to go out when he said that i was like i want to hear from those those people <laughs> that are people. under him right i want to hear from them to see what kind of boss was he what was his attitude how right. did he react in certain situations? Maybe he felt like they weren't good enough to do it or figure it out or something. Like I'm like, bro, why couldn't you just you can still be at home making money? You can just have someone else go out there and trust your staff to do exactly. what they need to do. Like Ugh. I'm like, that was not that was kind of uh I felt like that was a, a sympathy. He wanted pitch. sympathy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So that was kind of the theme for me. It was it was <clears throat> And I don't know if, if if it was his intention to do that, but he did come off as if he really wanted sympathy and mm -hmm. so many different areas, right? Sympathy of the fact that his he that he, he went suffered, through this. Yeah, he, he went through this and he suffered some kind of financial loss as a result of this and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, that happens all the time when people are accused of crimes. People often time are they lose, lose everything. money. They yeah. lose their job. They lose their family. And quite frankly, you're out of jail and you're mm -hmm. able to be in front of a camera and talk about the situation in your home, right? Not behind mm -hmm. bars or behind a, a, a plexiglass, right? Talking to the cameras in regards to the situation. And yes, it's unfortunate that there was a health issue as a result that he, he uncovered. And it, it's very unfortunate that he lost his life as a result to a battle of cancer. So I'm not trying to, to you know, put any Take light away. to that. But I don't think for me, that didn't, it did not impact my thought process on the particular case. I do not agree that this was a situation where he actually stood his ground. I think mm -hmm. that it was a combination of both parties having issues, right? I think there are, there, there is definitely room and fault on both, on both, yeah, on both sides, right? But he's not the only one who suffered. We do have the victim in this particular case who lost a leg mm -hmm. and actually lost a, one of his other his other foot or part of his other foot had to be amputated as well. And so he doesn't have the 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 typical enjoyment of life that he may have been accustomed to, whatever that may have been, right? He can't ride uh, a bike no more. Exactly. And I'm not saying that he was a great person, but at the right. end of the day, it was you know, it it, it it was not a situation where I felt like, oh my God, he really he really acted appropriately, mm -hmm. right? In that particular case. So those were the episodes for season two. Overall, I'm just gonna say I did not like season two. And you <laughs> won't like season three either. It's in, basically in, the same. In comparison to season one. Season and one, I, yeah. Yeah, and full disclaimer, I haven't watched one single episode. Oh, I've, had, I've already done season three, but, you know, whenever we get ready to start season three, I'm going to have to watch them again because I barely remember them. But they were not, there was not one that would leave you like season one where we want to follow up and know what happened. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that. Ooh. Oh, my God. You and this. The noise? Yes. You what can I say? Something. All right. So while we go on there, let's kind of do a preview of what we will be talking about whenever we start with season three. So I'm going to bring up season three. So unlike season two, which only had six episodes, I think. Yes, yeah, six episodes. Season two, three has ten. One, the first one is called Deadly Veteran or Self-Protection. 
The second episode is stabbed my neighbor or protected myself. The third one is failed my child or innocent mother. Let me stop you there. That one may, Mm -hmm. we may have some stuff to talk on that one. All right. The fourth one killed my husband or defended myself. Sounds like the Rachel Belton situation. Fifth one, careless adult or swimming pool tragedy. The sixth one is wife killer or medically insane. The seventh one is jealous shooter or innocent fall god. The eighth episode, teenage killer or mistaken identity. Oh, that one. Ooh. <laughs> and episode nine is killed my wife or staircase fall. That kind of reminds me of that rich guy case. What was his name? Anyway. <clears throat> and then the last one, murdered my tenant or self-defense. So those are some of the things to that we will be talking about as we discuss season three. All right. What else? Anything else? Any other kind of wrap up? Are you do? Let me ask this question. Do you still enjoy talking about these true crime shows? I do. I do. Have you started? Have you ever looked at one of the episodes of Inmate to Roommate? I did. I did like two episodes, but uh, they were getting on my nerves. I'm like, oh, my God. I really want to talk about the one couple, though. The crazy couple that won't let the man eat. Yeah, they won't let them eat meat now. Yes. <laughs> like, lady, why? I don't know. To me, it's almost as if, because you know, she had, it started kind of as a relationship with him. You don't well, remember? They say that, but I don't know. I think. Because remember, it was so funny when they were in the church, her and her husband, and the lady from the from the church starts talking to them, and she's like, and you, you've thought this through. And so she asked the husband, and how do you feel about the fact that, you know, she was talking to him? And I'm like, oh, my God, lady, like, mind your business. <laughs> I know, because that was my thing, too. It did seem kind of, But you, you, that couple, that particular crazy. couple. Oh, my God. That particular couple, there's something going on. Uh, and that is an episode in and of itself to talk about that particular dynamic. But anyhow. So that is episode 69, episode 69, True Crime Happy Hour. We talked about some of the things that we discussed with regards to accused, guilty, or innocent. You know, A&E really should, like, you know, sponsor this podcast, particularly with the guilty, innocent. Oh, wait, get what is it called? Accused, accused guilty, guilty or, innocent. or innocent. Yeah, because, you know, we actually review these these cases we talk about it and these things that in the third and give kind of a different perspective but whatever hopefully someone will be out there and be like ah maybe they should maybe we should recognize you never know that happens often never know all right so i want to let's go through what we normally do all right so before we end it you know that at here you can reach us on facebook at peeps creek cafe you can reach us on youtube at peeps creek podcast as you just saw when we was pulling up some of the episodes you can actually look at the videos with the with the transcriptions you can search as you saw i did that here search for certain words so you can pull up particular parts of it on www.peepscreek.com you can get us on ig twitch and twitter at peeps creek and i don't really post that much for real i need to get better with the social media stuff but life is too busy you can send us an email at cafe at peepscreek.com and all the links to everything that is us is available here at cafe.peepscreek.com backslash links all right so i want to thank denise for being here anything you want to say to the people before you go thank you for having me it's always a pleasure for me to be here with you I can't believe you sat here really with that sticker on your hat the entire yes. time. Because right now we are not, you know, we are tied up. So, uh huh, uh huh. All right. So, until next time, make sure that you, oh, wait, let me, because I'm not Denise. Until next time, make sure that you continue to drink, listen, and converse. Peace and love.